Welcome to the Liberty Podcast with your host, Pastor Robert Maxey, Senior Pastor of Liberty Church of Baton Rouge. It's our prayer that this podcast will be life-changing for you and that you will share it with someone else. Now, here is Pastor Rob. This is the Liberty BR Podcast. I am your host, Pastor Robert Maxey, and this is my co-host. Co-host in life. In life. <laughs> Aminga Maxi. And we're so happy to see you guys here tonight. Uh, to hear you guys here right. tonight. And we have our dear friend Shauna Dotson here with us. Say hi. Hello, everyone. It's so good to be on with you all. We are, are so excited to get back into our conversation. So last week we talked a lot about thriving. Are uh, are surviving trauma, and so tonight we're going to kind of touch back on what we talked about last week, and because uh, uh, we kind of left people open, I felt like, and, and instead of just trying to to go on to a new show, we really wanted to come back and and make sure that we really healed people, yes, and, yes. and make sure they understood not only surviving trauma, but now how to thrive after trauma yes, yes. so we wanted to have you back on so you can really touch people and and really talk to them about thriving after trauma so we're going to open the floor back up to you and we're just going to just sit back and and allow you to teach us and to to lead us in this conversation well thank y'all so much for inviting me back on again and and I do, I, I'm excited about even, you know, doing a recap from last week because you, like you said there that we did leave some things open and we need to come back and sew, sew some people up or zip them up and, um, yes. so that we can kind of get through, get through this. So just to kind of give a, a quick recap for those of you who weren't on, uh, last week, we talked about, um, the circuitry in the brain and the body that involves physical abuse. How that that has the same exact same um, effect as someone who is being verbally abused, mm-hmm. and so for someone um, being uh, emotionally abused, it's it's exactly the same as physical abuse, and so it affects the body on a cellular level. Mm-hmm. So you know, a lot of times you may hear uh, women that have been through domestic violence, and they say, well. Um, I don't want to tell anybody about it because he's not putting his hands on me. So I feel bad saying anything when there are women that are getting beat up really bad. But if you're being emotionally, verbally abused, then those same circuitries in your brain, it's the same as someone hitting you. And so it is affecting your body on a cellular level, the exact same. And then we, um, I think we also, um, let's see, we discussed... Give me a second. Oh, okay. Yeah. We talked about the bear. That's what we talked about and how mm-hmm. that we, I was just kind of explaining if you're walking in the forest and you look up and you see a bear and I kind of talked about what happens on the inside of your body because a lot of times we show up looking all together lovely. Mm-hmm. We're taking yeah. care of the outside of our bodies. We're doing that exercise. We're eating the right things. You know, we're taking care of the outside of our bodies, putting on makeup, putting our jewelry on. But we need to understand what trauma is doing inside of our bodies because that's what's killing us. Right. And so, right. you know, I talked about how, you know, if we were walking and and we <clears throat> was to look up and see a bear, 
you know, and I explained how, you know, our hypothalamus would send a signal to our pituitary gland, which sends a signal to our adrenal glands, and it would tell our, us to release stress hormones. And so, you know, our heart would start to pound, our pupils would dilate, our airways would open up, and we would be ready to either run away from that bear or fight mm-hmm. that bear. And yeah. that's exactly what our bodies are supposed to do if we're faced with a bear in front of us. Um, but I asked the question is, um, what happens when the bear comes home every night and that right. this right. system is being activated, uh, over and over again. So it's going from being adaptive and life saving because we need all those things to happen if we're faced with a bear in the front of us. So it goes from being adaptive and life saving to maladaptive and health damaging when that bear is coming home every night. Yes. And so. What does that bear look like? So we talked about that the bear could be the husband that's abusive. The bear could be the wife that's an alcoholic. Um, The bear could be someone's child that's um, out there in the streets on drugs. And you're constantly uh, worrying about that child every night. Just the stress of that, the toxic stress of that. So that could definitely, um, it could definitely be the bear. And so... I think we also talked about, um, as far as for with children, uh, the bear could be the bully at school. Yes. So it actually looks different for, for everyone. And so our job is to like look within ourselves and identify the bears within our own lives. Yeah. And so I think that once, uh, we identify those bears, we can start to self, uh, like set healthy boundaries for yeah. ourselves. And, um, and so I, a lot of times people will say, well, what about if it's other family members, you know, not just the spouse, but what about if it's the cousin or mm-hmm. the child or, you know, some other family member, um, you know, how do we set boundaries when, when it's, when it's close family members? And I often say that, um, forgiveness is a four letter word. You know what I'm saying? When people are doing things against you, yes. Forgive them, love them, and forgive them. Right. Um, so, however, you have to, if you are seeing a pattern, it's time to remove yourself from that pattern. Right, right. You know, no matter how close of a family member it, it is, because you do have to uh, protect your well, your well-being. And now that I'm is not, easier said than well, done. Yeah, I was going to say, can mm-hmm. you, when you say a pattern, um, can we talk a little bit about that? Right. Sure. So a pattern could be, let's uh, take, for instance, um, it's a cousin that is um, constantly doing things that really is against what maybe what you believe, or maybe it's someone that's living with you. You know, a lot of times you get family members that may come and live within your home and um, maybe they're doing some things that you don't allow within your home, you know, and you've had a talk to them about it. Uh, maybe you go to work, you come back and they, they're having other people in your house. And so it's not just something that's happened every now and then, but yeah. it's starting to be a pattern and they're, they are really trespassing against your boundaries. Um, and so now it's time to separate yourself from that pattern And so if it means you have to tell them that they have to go because your own mental health is more important than anything else, you know, and so and it may be a pattern of of abuse or it may be something directly 
that's directly affecting you physically, you know, or emotionally. So you really have to look within your own lives and see what is starting to be a pattern. It may be a pattern within your own children uh, that you're noticing that's happening over and over again. It's not just every now and then. And of course, if they are minors, you can't separate yourself from them, but you can then say, okay, we, there needs to be counseling here. We need to go to therapy after you've yeah. sat and had that talk with them. Um, because again, we cannot allow our mental health to be affected by those that are around us. Mm-hmm. And so, um, we do just have think, to, I, go do ahead. you think children can cause trauma? Yes. Oh my goodness. Yes. They really can anything, even it could be a three-year-old, <laughs> anything um, that causes you to be stressed to the point to where, like I said on um, the last week, you are either going to bed at 3 a.m. I, mean, I can't get to sleep until 3 a.m. or waking up at 3 a.m. Yeah. And maybe that three that three-year-old does not know what they're doing. Maybe you are just stressed because <laughs> this is your first child or you have three other kids and they're crying a lot at night and they're whatever it is that's going on that's causing you to be so stressed that you cannot get to sleep or you are waking up. If you are falling asleep, you're constantly waking up. Um, it's toxic stress, which is traumatic to your brain and your body. And you know, so that I, I was ahead. thinking about what you said about like even first time moms, the trauma of being a first time mom and not um, having that bond with that child. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That can cause um, that definitely can cause trauma because we're expected to have this instant bond. And when you don't have it, it, it um, can traumatize you, you know, emotionally. You know, right. And, and, and a lot of people do not understand that. Um, my daughter and I was talking about this the other day because, uh, she has a one year old and a two year old and which gets sometimes becomes very overwhelming for her. And mm-hmm. she's a great mom, but still the stress of that. And we really, we really had an open and honest conversation about this. And I think a lot of times people are afraid to bring up certain issues like, women that lose their minds and just Mm -hmm. snap and something happens to one of the kids Mm -hmm. and people don't really want to talk about what does that really look like? You know, because they're afraid, well, I'm going to get judged if I say I understand her doing that, but you know, being a trauma coach, I understand her doing that. It's not Mm -hmm. right, but people get to a level of sometimes where they're not having any help from Either the dad, if the mom is a single parent, or if the dad is a single parent, they're not having help from the mom. And there are not other people in the family that's trying to say, you know what, let me come and pick up the kids just for a couple of hours. I know with my daughter, I can go and say, hey, let me take the kids for about 20 minutes. She is so grateful for those 20 minutes. And so sometimes we feel like, well, I just don't have time. But what you don't realize is that five, 10 minutes could make the world of difference when somebody's dealing with a lot of stress and they mm-hmm. just need to be able to find that space where they can take a, a breather and take right. a breath. So it's not yeah. about the huge yeah. things that we do right. when it comes to trauma. It's about those little tiny, small steps that we take that makes such a big difference. Is, um, is uh, part of, of a mother experiencing trauma like, um, 
dealing with miscarriages and, and things of that nature. Is that a part of trauma? Is, you, yes. Is that- Does that cause trauma as well? And, and how do you deal with mothers that have experienced that type of trauma? Yeah. So, um, I'll use my daughter for an example again, because she did, um, uh, miss, uh, well, she, uh, she had a stillbirth. And so, uh, yes, that does bring on a lot. And sometimes, you know, moms, uh, don't want to talk about it afterwards, you know, and then people around them don't know what to say. So nobody says anything, but that yeah. trauma is still there. The residue of that is, it's still definitely there. And so I would say just give them time <clears throat> to kind of start the process themselves. Um, a lot of times, uh, when a mom has, has had a loss of a, of a child, whatever hospital she went to, most of the time those hospitals will have, um, like, uh, sessions to where the women can go back there and meet with the support group of other women yeah. that have lost, uh, their children. But one of the things that, that I do now is that, um, we've started doing like shadow boxes, uh, for moms that, uh, th- that lost a child. And so if they are wanting to do that, you know, we can get with them and kind of do a shadow box and just as a memory, of who they felt that child would be or, um, you know, what were their, um, you know, their thoughts about who she would be or who he would be. And we just kind of give them time and maybe make a shadow box. And sometimes women wait a year before they're able to do a shadow box just to have a memory of, you know, that child to be able to have something tangible that they can touch and see. And I think that sometimes that helps with the healing process. But then some women, you know, would rather not see a shadow box. They would just rather let it go. Um, But I I think that we have to give them time to be willing to go through that process of of grieving. And then after that, start the process of healing from that trauma. I I think I was just thinking about how I don't even think we realize how even um, how we can cause trauma to children by yelling. But Definitely. you know what I mean? When you're in, in, when you're disciplined and you're yelling and because they're small and you're tall and you know, you're taught to come down to their level mm-hmm. and, and speak to them. But I just thought about that, how that can cause trauma and they, um, are so frightened to even make a mistake. It's not even that they're abused physically, but that emotional abuse of being yelled at in such a tone. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can also and, and, trauma. and a lot of times we talk about uh, the men, um, you know, women going through trauma, but a lot of men go through trauma and there are a lot of women um, who are the abusers, whether physically, verbally, Mm -hmm. um, um, physically. um, Sometimes it's because of being um, in a state of abuse. And so Mm -hmm. they end up becoming the abuser. Right. You know, um, I was listening to a gentleman actually maybe a couple of weeks ago and he was just sharing his story about um, how he had been raised in a household where his dad was very dominant within within the household. He, mm-hmm. um, you know, he had been raised to where men do not cry. And um, if you're hurt, you hold it in. And so it was five boys, I think one, uh, two girls and five boys. And so uh, the girls grew up um, just cooking, cleaning, helping mom with things. The boys grew up. You know, the football thing, uh, they watched the game together with their dad, the, the, um, daughters and the mom 
would cook and bring things to them. And so that's the kind of family that he was in. And so uh, he, he started playing football when he got in high school. And he said he was really, really good at, at football because he had grew up learning, you do not cry. You take a hit, you take the hit, and you keep going. And so I forgot what they called him on this team, but he, he was really, you know, everybody looked at him as no matter what happens to him, he just gets up and keeps going. So mm-hmm. he grew up learning how to just keep his emotions inside. You don't cry. Right. You're a man. You hold it in. And so he ended up getting married and um, his wife was abusive. And so um, she would say things to him and he realized it was affecting him emotionally, but of course, you don't say anything about it. You keep it in. You're a man. Right. And so he went through probably about five or six years of this. And he said one day he really felt like he felt like he had gotten to the point to where he really didn't even want to live anymore. And so he went to uh, his pastor to well, he said he was looking online and <clears throat> excuse me. He saw something called emotional abuse <clears throat> and he realized that that's what he was going through. Yeah. And that um, he could not, he, he just couldn't open up his feelings to cry about it because he was supposed to hold all of this in. So he goes and he talks to his pastor about it. And his pastor tells him, oh, don't worry about it. You know, we're just going to pray about it. It'll be okay. That's your wife. You know, just pray about it. Yeah. And he said he remembered for the first time walking out of his pastor's office feeling like, wow, this is what men, women that are abused go through. People just, we really don't understand. They don't understand that I'm feeling suicidal right now. They don't understand that, that, you know, like, and he did not, he, it was like he didn't have an outlet. And so he just searched online and he was able to find more things about emotional abuse and then connect with a counselor that was able to help him get that out. And now he's, you know, helping men, um, to be able to talk about those things. But, but it is when it comes to men, you know, a lot of times they, they hold things in and they're dealing with it just like we, Hey, we need brothers to heal just as much as we need sisters to heal because we can't get, we can't get the ladies healed and on track and, and they go home to the brothers that hasn't had an outlet to be able to talk about what they're going through also. Well, you know, broken people break people. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. You're, you're exactly right. And you know, if you don't, I often say, if you don't heal from it, you're going to hand it down. That's right. It's just going to go down. It's going to be, um, generational trauma, What you don't heal from you hand down. That's right. And so at some point, you know, we must break that cycle, you know, of, of abuse and trauma because it just keeps going on and on throughout, you know, our family line. And at what point are we going to say enough is enough? And, you know, if truth be told, you know, within, I'll just be honest within really, I feel like the black community mm-hmm. is where, um, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of us, a lot of us have been raised where what happens in the house stays in the house. We're strong yes. black women, strong black right, men. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we don't talk about, we can handle these things. We're not handling these things, you right. know, uh, counseling, the, the name counseling has been really taboo in, in the black, uh, families. You know, you just, when you talk about counseling and therapy, it's almost like, well, if they're going to counseling or seeking something for their mental health, then maybe something is wrong with them. No, I mean, just like we seek 
for our physical health, then our mental health is just as, if not more. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's so hard to get people to understand that and to to take care of their mental health. You know, as you were speaking earlier and I was, I was just thinking so much, uh, of life period can cause trauma. And and it feels like no matter what we do, at some point, trauma is going to hit our life. Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, So, so, um, if we could do something to be prepared for trauma, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and like mm-hmm. in the military, they, they would they would have like PMS. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you would get ready for for some kind of thing to have you would actually do work uh, before something would break down, right? Wow! To make sure it wow. stayed in this optimal working condition. Mm-hmm. How do I? How do I? prepare myself? How do I do, as Nola said, preventative maintenance on myself to to help myself prepare for the the, the trauma that I, that I might run into when I leave mm-hmm. my job or when I go to mm-hmm. the post office and somebody's mm-hmm. had a bad day or or I'm dealing with something at work or or I may have a car accident. Like how do I deal how do I do the preventative maintenance to prepare mm-hmm. myself for trauma. Is this a mm-hmm. mental thing? Is this a biblical thing? Like, what do I do? Mm-hmm. So that that's a great question. Prevent pre- Prevention is the key. And, you know, prevention starts with ourselves, our own self-care. Um, you know, it, just making sure that we are doing things to take care of ourselves so that when those things hit, it's kind of like someone that that's, um, you know, training for like you said in the military, that's training for something you're mm-hmm. already looking at or, or a doctor. I would say a doctor that's going in uh, to have surgery. Uh, one thing that I and I, I've studied doctors a lot and and what they do before they go in to have surgery. And what I found in uh, studying them is that um, before they go in for surgery, maybe a week or two before they are already um, planning how they're going to um, um, you know, do this surgery. And some doctors uh, say that they literally plan it out. They literally plan out everything. They plan out what's, if this happens, then what do I do next? If we run right. into this problem, then what do we do next? And they're planning all of those things out and seeing it in their minds. And one thing that I know from studying the brain is that if you go over something over and over again in your mind, your brain does not know that you did not just do that. Because you did it in your mind. And so, and so when they go into that operating room to have that operation, I mean, to uh, perform that operation, they have already performed it. And so they are just going on really what they've already taken, taken pretty much like a videotape and put it in their brain and they're going on that. And so when those issues come up, they already have the solution for it. And so I would say with, with trauma, um, Self-care, first of all, like right now to tonight, we're all being trauma aware. We're learning about trauma. We're learning and yes. we're going to talk about some things that we can do um, to help us get out of it if we're in it and okay. to help others get out of it. And so just in taking self-care me- measurements, um, making sure that we're eating right, 
making sure that that our mental health, that we're seeing a counselor if we need to, that we're seeing a therapist if we need to, um, making sure that we're seeing people's situation from their perspective. Last week I talked about yeah. the six and the nine, you know, walking from their perspective. If we're able to do that now, when we meet up with something in life that's traumatic or a crisis, we, we have already walked through pretty much that surgery before we try to perform it, you right. know? So we're already, I know with me, when I meet up with people or I'm dealing with issues myself, I'm able to to somehow separate myself from that and understand, okay, this is what's happening, but this is me. And so I'm acknowledging that it's happening because it's happening or it's affecting me, you know, but it is not me. I know Pastor Aminga asked me um, the other day, she and I had a phone conversation and she she asked me, she said, how are you able to... um, deal with trauma. How are you able to deal with trauma yourself? Like you're when, when you get ready to do a training and you get triggered, how do you take care of yourself? How do you do that? And, um, some of the things that I do, because I do get triggered in trainings, sometimes somebody will bring up something that will immediately send me in a flashback. And so I can't just stop the training. I have to continue to train. And so one of those things that I do, even in preparing, um, for a training, I will talk to my family and let them know, Hey, I'm preparing for this training. And so I'm going to be in the office, but I need for y'all to know that if I come out of the office, a different person and I'm kind of on edge or kind of moody, it is not you. It's me. I always let them know that. And then I ask them, can y'all just please be patient with me? Because it may be something that I was uh, typing up and it triggered me because, because I'm, when I'm preparing for trainings, I'm bringing up different traumas and it does hit me, you know, and it hits me hard. Sometimes I have to pick up the phone and call my counselor because I have a counselor too. And, um, and they have to kind of help me through those issues. And And your counselor probably got a counselor. I'm sure she does. (laughs) So, you know, you have to prepare. So I try to prepare myself and my family when I'm getting ready to uh, do a training. But some of the other things I do is uh, just try to keep myself uh, present, like and grounding techniques. Sometimes I may, you know, leave out of the office if I feel like I'm just starting to get overwhelmed with the different traumas that's coming up while I'm preparing. Yeah. And so I may walk out of my office and go and instead of making instant coffee, I will make coffee from scratch, maybe ground the coffee beans and right, right. go through the whole process of that or, or, uh, actually brew the tea, you know, or, you know, just going through certain steps instead of doing things that's instant. All of those small things make a difference. I keep a bottle of, um, go ahead. I was going to say also, um, uh, um, one of the, one of the things too that helps that you're not doing training back to back, but giving yourself a break in between. You know what I mean? Yes. So that you can that. decompress and come back. Recovery you know, time. Your, your own recovery time. But mm-hmm. I, um, earlier, um, I'm gonna go back just a little bit. Earlier, you was talking about um, even with our um, how do we stop it from continuing on? And we was talking about how in the um, the African American Black community, how we don't talk about things. We were told that um, 
you know, what happens in the house stays in the house. And and you was talking Mm -hmm. about how do we prevent it from going forward? And I remember last week you talked about um, communicating with, um, Mm -hmm. with um, your loved ones or having a friend that you can talk to, right. Um, Mm -hmm. About what's going on, but educating our children, even at an early age and sharing some Mm -hmm. of the things I know with my kids, as they got older, I shared a little bit more and a little bit more of myself to help them to be Mm -hmm. aware of why I um, don't allow certain things and why what makes Mm -hmm. what what I'm looking for. And when adults are around because of different things that I have gone through Mm -hmm. to kind of wake them up, you know, um, and explain Mm -hmm. uh, me a little bit better. And that's so good, Pastor Minga, because, you know, we do have our own issues. And if our children can see that we can be real about it, you know, and, and, and really get on their level and, and, and be able to talk to them about some of our issues. Um, and then I feel like they would be, be more, uh, in tune to open up about their own issues, Yes, you know, because sometimes kids feel like, well, I can't talk to mom or dad about this, what I'm going through. But when they know that we've been through some of those same things, or even when they just understand that, Hey, mom's under some pressure right now. And this pressure reminds me of some things that I've went through as a child. It really, really helps them to kind of, okay, I don't need to uh, put more pressure on mom. I need to help her. You know, mom, what can I do to help? Yeah, but do you think... And that that may be just taking out the trash or washing the dishes, you know? What were you going to say? Oh, I was going to say, but even in in sharing some of the things that uh, we go through to our children, um, I think it also... It prevents, it helps to prevent them, educate them that they won't have to go through the trauma, um, you know, to prevent it from going um, further into our generation. You know what I mean? Educating them um, with a little bit of your own testimony, but being aware of other people, what goes on in other houses, like just having that open dialogue with them. I think that's Mm going to be a huge part of uh, preventing it from going forward in our community is teaching them how to be transparent and communicate. And like you said, see people from their perspective, seeing kids, not mm-hmm. just like they are at home, having mommy and daddy at home, you know what I mean? And in church, but understanding that other kids are going through trauma at home and they're bullying or they're having an attitude or being, keep it to themselves, isolating. Um, mm-hmm. is Those are some things and that they can look, look at rather than just judging a person and it helps them to right. be in their surroundings of what not to allow and for themselves and what mm-hmm. not to do. Right. Right. You, that's, that's so good because not judging other kids, especially in school, you know, you, you hear of a lot of kids that, that are acting out and then, you know, getting in trouble a lot. And then, you know, the kids may come home and say, well, they're bad or they're, they're always doing this or that. But when the parent is at home educating that child that, like you said, maybe that child is dealing with something at home, some type of trauma, we, we never know what they're dealing with. You know, maybe they're in foster care. You just never know. And so it is, it is very important that we talk to our kids about that so that they can see, you know, other kids through the lens of trauma and say, Hey, maybe it's not that, 
not that they're acting out just to act out. Maybe there is something else wrong and maybe they'll be the one to step out and say, Hey, you want to be friends, you know, right. and make the difference in their lives. And so and it is, it's very important to educate them. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, if you could, uh, go back a little bit, you know, you were talking about that preventative maintenance. Um, or you could kind of go back mm-hmm. to that. Sure. Um, yeah, just, you know, just, I, I feel like grounding is, is really, um, a good thing to do. Like, and it's not, that's not just in preventing. Uh, when I talked about grounding, that's mostly when you're dealing with some type of, um, either you're stressed or feeling, you know, anxious, going through anxiety or uh, having panic attacks and things like that is, <laughs> knowing how to ground yourself, knowing how to look around the room and maybe, okay, this is this color. Uh, the TV is on what's Mm -hmm. on the TV. There's a black plug, those things like that. I think that if you start to, um, practice those things before you deal with trauma, then when it comes up, you're able to quickly ground yourself. You're able to quickly get back, you know, and prevent going further into, whatever it is, whatever trauma that is, you know, so I think it's very important to have some, you know, to, to know how to ground. So what, that when things come up, you can quickly remove from that thing and go into grounding so that you can get back to balancing yourself again, to not be in that trauma or not be in that crisis. Because we can get caught up in those things. um, But it's the thing of knowing how to bring ourselves out of it. Like self-awareness training. Like um, being aware of your surroundings and and breathing exercises and um, mm-hmm. things like that nature. I think like she said earlier, like having those boundaries, you know, knowing your triggers and knowing like knowing yourself mm-hmm. and knowing mm-hmm. like if in a crowd uh, you have anxiety because of your trauma, then mm-hmm. maybe uh, scheduling yourself to go to the store or whatever in a earlier you yeah. know, or or later, not in a peak hours of driving is trauma, you know, not driving during rush hour or on the free, you know what I mean? So yeah. learn is knowing, I think mm-hmm. it's knowing yourself, learning yourself because after trauma, you have to learn yourself all over again, mm-hmm. you know, because now you have to. And just, and, and finding what, finding what works, finding really what works for you. And I think mm-hmm. that that, and all of that is a part of, uh, you know, preventative because we can, we really cannot prevent trauma from happening. That's right. inevitable. It's going to happen. We cannot prevent crisis, but we can find ways to deal with it. And so, you know, like all of those ways, all of the things that we're talking about tonight and what we're going to talk about, those are ways of, you know, when it happens, you know, that we can bring ourselves back to a place of homostasis and balance. Because when it happens, immediately all those chemicals are being released and it's affecting our bodies, you know, and and really it affects our 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 immune system, our hormonal system, and even the way our DNA is read and transcribed. So if we can get our bodies back balanced as quick as possible, it's best because things are going, it's going to happen, you know. And so, and and I know like for me, you know, people, people laugh at my kids laugh all the time about this because I keep a bottle of bubbles with me and, um, and, you know, and I tell people all the time, just a bottle of bubbles that kids blow 
I get with my grandkids and I just blow bubbles and we're playing, but they don't realize I'm taking my deep breaths. Sometimes I'm yes. stressed and I'll go outside and yeah. just blowing bubbles allows us to be able to really breathe in and take right. those deep breaths and it slows our heart rate down and it helps us to calm down. And so simple things like that makes yeah. a world of difference. Yeah. Can, yeah. can I ask you a question? Um, sure. Um, so thriving, thriving after trauma. So, mm-hmm. um, to get past that, those boundaries to thrive so you can go into deeper waters. What does that look like? Is that possible? So you ask the question again. I'm like sorry. Go, thriving past like your comfort zone. What does that look mm-hmm. like? Yeah, what, does what does thriving, thriving look like? Okay, past your comfort zone. Yeah. So, so are you meaning if you're going through a trauma and being able to get beyond that trauma? No. What does thriving after trauma look like? Okay, so thriving after trauma. Yeah. So I feel like thriving thriving after trauma is once you're able to process that trauma and and sometimes, you know, sometimes for some people that could be years because we talked about last week how that sometimes you can't even pull up all the trauma because of how your brain stored it, fragmented. And so when you are able to process that trauma and go through, you know, go through the healing process and and you're able to come back and maybe um, even help others. I feel like thriving, thriving after the trauma is when, you know, you're able, I know a lot of people that have been through very traumatic situations and they've started their own nonprofits. Um, are they given back like they've gone back to certain um, certain nonprofits and just in volunteering and helping, helping them to help others? And so I just believe that, you know, thriving after trauma is when you go back to help others get out of that, what you've been through. And so, you know, because because once we've walked through um, traumatic events, there is so many stories within that that is going to help to pull somebody else out. Mm-hmm. And so thriving to me means going back and getting others out of that fire you know, going back and getting, getting others from unstuck, you know, we've been in the mud. And so if you can understand what being the mud, being in the mud feels like and what you need to do to get out of that, then thriving means going back and saying, Hey, I've been right where you are. And here is what I did to get out of it. And even when I got stuck again, here is what I did to get out of it. And when I got stuck again, here is what I did to get out of it. And so, you know, and thriving looks different. To, to everybody, you know, mm-hmm. for one, it, it may be just talking to a friend about it. For another, it may be, I'm going to start a nonprofit, you know, for, for other, for others, it, it may be something else, but you, you, once you've come out of trauma in order to thrive it, for me, it means to go back and help others. Okay. So thrive. That's good. That's good. I love um and we also want to let everybody know that the lines are open. So please um call in, ask questions. If you have a comment, the lines are open. You do need headphones. Um, but I love also what um Nola was saying. Uh she said meditation also works um with helping yes. to ground us and bring us back. 
um, when we are mm-hmm. in the midst of uh, going through trauma or trying to, or something has triggered us. But I believe, yes, meditation um, on the word is such a, um, mm-hmm. a, a beautiful um, affirmation of who God says we are. And, and what do you think? Amen. Uh, you said earlier that you had some things that you that you had prepared to, that you wanted to talk about. What are some things that you want people to know tonight? Okay. Well, I, you know, trauma has been a, a part of my life for for a long time, and I know um, both of you uh, know that because you all you all know my my testimony. And um, whatever, I just want to say, whatever you all are going through out there, you are there. There comes a point in your life where you're able to get through it. You know, it it may seem like it's too much. It may seem like it's overwhelming. It may seem like it's undoable. Uh, You may feel like there's no help out there or people don't understand. Um, But there is help and there is hope. And it doesn't matter what it is. You know, earlier we were talking about, um, Pastor Minga mentioned um, about talking to your children and educating them about trauma and, you know, so that they can understand it and so that it doesn't continue on, um, you know, generationally down the family line. And and when she said that, it really, it brought me back to um, when, and I, I don't know why I'm bringing this up, but I feel like somebody needs to hear this because uh, sometimes people think, you know what? You don't understand the level of trauma I've been through. Or you you don't understand how I don't feel like I can um, move beyond this because there's a lot of things that I don't understand. And what I mean by that is that when I was going through my trauma and felt like I couldn't get out of it because honestly, I felt like I was dumb. Um, I felt like, um, I was really uneducated, (laughs) you know, um, as far as writing a check, I remember, uh, testifying about this, uh, a few years ago, how, when I was dealing with trauma and coming out of a domestic violence relationship, I was in my early thirties and I still did not know how to write a check. Mom. And who, who does some, a woman in her thirties go to, to say, okay, I've left this 14 year abusive relationship, right. but I don't even understand how to write a check. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what to do. And so, so we don't, it's complicated. We don't talk about it. And there's someone that I believe that's listening right now that feels the same way because they've been under so much control under either their husband or their wife. And they've controlled all the money and they've controlled everything. And you never learned. Guess what? Mom and dad didn't teach you how to do that. And then you went into an abusive relationship and he controlled everything. And so I I didn't know how to write it. And I remember when I finally, finally left that relationship for the last time, because I had left seven times and allowed him to come back into my life. But the last time I left, I remember sitting on the floor in this trailer that me and my five kids had moved in. And so whoever it is that God has me speaking to right now, I had five kids when I left and did not know how I was going to make it. And I remember the first day they, they went to, they left to go to school after I had moved into that trailer. 
after they all left, I remember sitting in the middle of the floor, no furniture or anything in the trailer, but we were so happy to have a roof over our heads and be safe. And I sat in the middle of the floor and I remember crying. And I remember saying to God, I said, God, I don't even know who I am. Because all my life from being sexually abused as a, as a child starting at age two up until I moved out of my parents' home and then going straight into abusive relationship, I didn't know who I was. Yeah. I knew I was my kid's mom. I knew I was his wife, but I didn't know who Shauna was Mm -hmm. and I did not know how to do life because nobody had taught me. And I cried and I feel like that there's somebody on this line right now that's in that same predicament and feel like, I don't know how I'm ever going to be able to get out of this. I don't know how to do life. And I'm too old to go and talk to somebody and tell them that I feel like I'm stupid. You're not stupid. You're not dumb. You're not crazy. You've just had a lot of trauma. You've had a lot of layers that's been put on you and it's doable. If I, if I can thrive at this time, Anybody can thrive, Amen. you know, and so I, I just I, I I remembered um going into the store after I got up from crying on in the middle of that floor. I got up and I thought, OK, I need to go to the store and pick up a few items for us. And I went to the grocery store and after being in that relationship for about almost 15 years, I went to the grocery store and we needed toothpaste. And I hadn't told this this story in a while, but we needed toothpaste. And so I get on the toothpaste aisle and for 14 years, I had to buy the toothpaste that uh, the name of the toothpaste was called Ultra. I think it's Ultra Bright. Yeah. And Ultra Bright was uh, Ultra Bright. Yeah, it's always it was always at the bottom of the shelf because it was toothpaste that not too many people bought. And so, so I go down the aisle and I got this little basket on my arm and I go down the toothpaste aisle for the first time without being in this relationship where somebody's controlling me. And I reach down to reach for the ultra bright toothpaste. And when I bent down to reach for it, it dawned on me. I don't have to buy ultra bright. Mm -hmm. I had bought ultra bright for almost 15 years because that's what he told me to buy. And I said, I don't have to buy ultra bright. And I remember standing back up and I looked to the left down the toothpaste aisle and I saw all the toothpaste for the first time, really. Right. And I looked to the right and I saw all the toothpaste and I just, rem- and I'm probably going to cry because this is just, I just remember taking a few steps back and I said, yeah. Look at the toothpaste. Now that may be small to somebody, but somebody that's listening to me right now can relate. And yeah. I walked to the to the to the beginning of the aisle. And when I tell you, Pastor, I picked up every tube of toothpaste <laughs> down that aisle. And I looked at it and I said, I picked up one and I said, Wow, wow, this has this has bubblegum flavor. It's nah. bubblegum. <laughs> and, and I said, and I put it back and I picked up the next one and I said, wow, this has mint and, and it has little sparkly things in it. And I put it back down and I picked up the next one. And I did this from the first tube of toothpaste 
right. all the way to the end of the aisle to the last. I picked up everyone and looked at the ingredients and everything. And when yeah. I finished, I, I just stepped back and I said, wow, and I could get whatever toothpaste I want to get. Well, do you know, I walked out of the store and I drove back home. I didn't even get toothpaste. I forgot I was supposed to even get toothpaste. I didn't get anything. I was so overwhelmed that I could choose whatever I realized that day that I was so blinded by the abuse and the trauma that I was going through that I could not even see anything but what I was going through. So I was looking at everything through the lens of trauma. And so it was just amazing to me that I had a, that for the first time in life, I realized that I have a choice and I just want to speak to whoever this is that God has me because I haven't shared this testimony in years. Mm -hmm. You have a choice. You do. And you have a choice to get out of that trauma. You don't have to be where you are. You don't have to be going through whatever it is that you're going through, whether it's with a, a child whether it's with a, a, a husband, whether it's with a coworker, whether it's with whatever it is, you don't, you have a choice. You have a choice, right? you know? And, and so I would say, seek help, seek counseling. Uh, I'm not telling anybody to go and get a divorce. That's not what I'm saying here. But what right. I am saying is that, that you can seek couples counseling and individual counseling, but yeah. seek help. You have a choice. You are not just stuck. And you're able to be able to get out of that trauma or work through that trauma and thrive and thrive. I can look right now. I can write a check backwards with my eyes closed. And at one time, (laughs) you know, and didn't even know how to, I could put a whole bunch of zeros behind it too, if you want me to, you know, but just, I, 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 I never thought that I would be able to, to get to this point. But there was someone out there that said, you don't have to be ashamed of what you're going through. I'll teach you how to write a check. I understand your mom and dad didn't teach you this, but but I'm here now. I'll help. And that's all they did was taught me how to write a check. Not yeah. only did they teach me how to write it, but they taught me how to spell it out because some of those things I couldn't even spell at that time because I had went through so much trauma as a child that I wasn't able to focus on in, in, in school. Yeah. And right. so... Yeah. I had to learn how to do those things. And now I can write anything. Now I can develop trainings. You know, I at one time I couldn't even see myself being where I am, but by the grace of God that right. I am able to do what I'm doing now. And so that's why I said that for me, thriving looks like going back, back and help others to be yeah. able to get out of where they're stuck at and be able to thrive. And it's doable for anybody. Let me ask you a question. Do, um, and this is true, true for my life because there are days where I wake up when I say, I say I have the victory. Um, but there's other days that I wake up and I don't feel like I have a victory. At points in my life, I feel like I'm Jacob. And then there's points that I feel up, felt like I'm Israel. And, do you have those times in your life where um you feel like you're thriving after trauma or do you still have those days where you wake up and you're just surviving? Oh my goodness, that's a good question. <clears throat> Honestly, yes, I have that's a great question. I definitely have the days where I feel like 
I'm just surviving. And, um, I feel like I'm hanging on that piece. You know, when, 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 when the boat broke all up, when Paul said, we're going to get there. Right. You know, when, when they were on the, when they were on the boat and he's in, and he was trying to tell them, look, just know, because they was like, we're not going to make it. And he said, just know that we're going to make it because I got to meet court. <laughs> so right, if, right. if, if, if the Lord says, I got to meet court, we're going to make it. And once, you know, once all this stuff happened, the, you know, they got shipwrecked, all the boat broke all up. And I'm sure they were looking at him and saying, I thought you said we're going to make it. Paul said, yeah, we're, we're going to make it. I didn't say the boat was, you know, and so he, they, he made it, but he made it on a broken, on a broken, broken pieces, you know, and so, you know, it talked about how there were pieces. And so he made it on a broken piece, but the thing that he was chained to now he was unchained, but he had to go through something. You know what I'm saying? He, he was in prison when they were, when, when he was traveling to go to, um, to meet court. And so I'm sure he was in chains. And sometimes we find ourselves in chains again on broken pieces, Mm -hmm. you know? And so, yes, there are times when I feel like, Lord, I am trying to survive this. And I don't feel like I'm thriving, but those are the times when I can pick up the phone and call a friend. Like they say, phone a friend. (laughs) I can phone, phone somebody and, uh, and just really be able to let them know what I'm going through. And that's why it's important. That's another one of those little steps that, that I said that we can do that you don't have to necessarily be there 24 hours for somebody or be there throughout their whole lifespan. Maybe you're the one that they know that they can just pick up the phone and talk to and you're going to be that soft, safe place that can right. just listen. And that's not going to go anywhere else with what they're telling you to be able to be that. Uh, it's kind of like being the her, not the H-E-R, but the H-U-R in the Bible, you know, that yeah. was there to hold up. Um, was It was Moses's hand. Um, was it? Yeah, they they was able to hold hold. I think it was Abraham was able to hold up his hand while you know while the battle was going on. And so um, you know we need some hers in our lives that is able to just kind of be there for us because that's so important. And so when you say I can't do a lot, can you be there just to listen? You know, can you be there just to, you know, if somebody has to call you or text you at two or three o'clock in the morning and say, hey, I just need to talk. I just need to text. I often tell people if you're going through something and you just need a shoulder to cry on, if you need to call me at three o'clock in the morning and you don't want me to say anything, you just need to cry. You just need somebody there for you to cry. I'll just pick up the phone and I'll just be there. And if you want to hang up when you're done and you don't want to talk, that's fine. Right. You know, we need some people like that in the world to just be able to be there for those that have been thriving, but now they find themselves just trying to survive. So yeah, we all go through that. Yeah. But it's the through. It's the going through, you know, because we, we have to be able to get to that other side. So yeah. Wow. Wow. It's a tough place to be. Uh, um, like I was saying earlier, it seems like you can't go outside or, or even stay inside without being traumatized in some way, in some shape or form. Mm-hmm. Um, but knowing that there's ways that we can 
we can thrive after trauma, you know, and that we don't have to stay in those places. And it's a shame that so many people stay in, in the exact same place that many people actually die in the same traumatic place. Um, Mm-hmm. after trauma that happened to them when they were children or it happened to them in their early twenties and thirties and they die old and, and bitter and still hurt because they never dealt with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I'm praying for everyone and, that's out there. Yeah. Go ahead. Right. Right. No, I was, I was going to say, I was um, thinking about, you know, just spiritually, um, you know, those who, who are, who are in Christ, we have to understand trauma from physical and spiritual, you know? Yeah. And so when we can look at it like that, uh, it really helps us to be able to get through whatever it is that we're going through and go on to the next, because, you know, we all know that when, when we, um, have a victory, when we are able to overcome something, then, you know, those of us who are uh, living for God, we understand that when we overcome something and we yeah. have a victory, that our reward is <laughs> uh, another ba- the next battle. Amen. That's our reward. Our reward right. is always we're always going to go into another battle because and it's going to be greater. And our reward is going to be another battle that we have to, you know, then face and fight and get through right. uh, because God is building up an army. And if, you know, you know, you all have, you know, y'all's been in the military and you understand you go yeah. through war, you got to come back and train again for the next battle. Exactly. You know, And so, you know, those who, of us who are spiritual, we understand that when we're dealing with the trauma, we go through it and we get trained again and we get, fit again for the next and right. we go through. And so, you know, if we can kind of look at things in, from that perspective in the spirit realm, um, th- then we're able to be able to face the next, uh, the next battle. And, right. you know, but then again, you know, last week we talked about that, um, everything is not all spiritual because God met people where they were. So even yeah. in us understanding that it's just, it's a battle and we got to go through the next we still have to be able to uh, help people that are not there yet, you know, until they get there, you know, that don't see it in the spirit yet, you know, and help them and meet them where they are in the natural. After this call, I want to talk to you a little bit about that because I was just thinking that um, trauma opens people up more, especially when it's undealt with uh, to spiritual, Mm -hmm. to spiritual attack. Um, uh, because they've gone through the trauma and not dealt with it, they're more susceptible to spiritual attack and, and demonic attack as well. Um, Alberta. Yes. Alberta. I hear you talking in the background. Yeah, I'm sorry. I cut, I covered up my earpiece. I didn't know you was going to hear me because I don't know how to mute it. I was trying to find that button. <laughs> how y'all doing? Good. How you doing? We're good. Uh, it, it's it's getting better. It's getting better. So I was listening to you, Shauna, when you said like the um spiritual, like when people are having trauma, and you can actually, if you've been through it, you can actually see it. 
you can you can feel it and you can't I can't say you you understand it but when I was doing um women's group I would have a you know it would be a lot of us it's something how a lot of people come together who's been through the same thing but I found out it's not that people who come together been through the same thing that's all the devil's scheme that's what he did it's either was some type of physical mental abuse you know so when you were saying about the spiritual how do we handle it in the spiritual and in the natural it made me think how do we handle it because you know you you they tell you some things you talk to people who's went through some things but my i always would give them a little bit of my testimony so they would feel comfortable enough to open up but what do you how do you approach that or when it's time to pass it on to one of the pastors and stuff you know like you like wow this is a lot or what can i actually do for them but listen you know you know what i'm talking about Mm -hmm. did i make sense Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, you did. And that's that's why I know we talked about this last week and my phone kept cutting off and we were mm-hmm. talking about that's why it's in, it, it is important that, you know, leaders, you know, if it like I, I was saying, I think I got cut off last week when I was saying this is that it's important that either pastors or the leaders within their church gets trained in trauma uh, and so or someone you know, within the leadership team gets trained in trauma so that they can be there to help uh, those that are coming with coming into the church that are dealing with trauma uh, because it is it's a process. It, it's a process of how to help them deal with that deal with that trauma without re-traumatizing them. And, and it is a process. And I I, I know that we're going to be doing a training soon um, with, with at our own church. And so um, it, it's a process. And so, mm-hmm. Alberta, you're going to go through the training soon <laughs> and mm-hmm. to kind of understand the process of how to be able to help people that's that's dealing with that. Because it is a okay. process. Yeah, because it's like you, of course, prayer works and you listen to them and it, you, you, you tell them some things that you go through, but it still feel like there's a disconnect. But I know it mm-hmm. takes time because, like I said, with my situation, I, I released that. So like 15, 16 years ago, well, I'm 52. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so you still have parts that you just you, you things that triggers it or make you think about mm-hmm. it or whatever. But I'm going to give God some glory because I've gotten to the point that I don't have that trigger. Mm. Well, that's you, you get you know what I'm saying so I don't want to the Lord just said you know speak all of that because just me you know I can't account for other people but that moment that I, I um that moment that I went on that encounter was just step one you know mm-hmm. step step two probably came seven years later when I ran across the person that I had seen mm-hmm. them mostly but the Lord explained something to me that made it all come to one full circle and became a healing thing it's because as a child i would see him have a bag of different colored things in the bag i thought it was candy Mm -hmm. get what i'm saying Mm -hmm. so it was a bag of different things in that bag and i'm thinking it's candy he will just swallow them all the time but he still was my favorite uncle but it came Mm -hmm. and i was like i figured out later on he the lord showed me that was pills yeah. So he's been mm-hmm. doing all kind of drug abuse when I was little. 
I saw that. Okay, mm-hmm. so when my dad told me how my grandfather died and how he was the baby in the family and how how he was just left alone as a baby and how my grandmother almost passed and all kind of stuff happened. He had so much piled on him as a baby, as a child, little mm-hmm. boy. How he ended up doing all these drug abuses and doing all kind of things. You see? So how the enemy started. And the Lord showed me that's how the enemy started. With mm-hmm. him. So, you know, um, mm-hmm. okay, go, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, you're fine. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, listening to what you were saying, my husband and I were, uh, well, before we got married, we would, you know, we would talk on the phone all the time and I would talk to him about trauma and he loved looking, looking at, um, Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's a CSI, the crime yeah, show that crime comes show. on CSI. That's my favorite thing. And I remember CSI. one, mm-hmm. yeah. And one mm-hmm. day he, um, mm-hmm. he, he texted me and he said to me, he said, now, because I've met you now, I have to now, whenever I look at these crime shows, I can't mm-hmm. even look at them the same anymore. He was like, he said, now, whenever I see somebody that has done something to somebody else, I'm wondering, well, what did they go through? You know, and so that's kind of like what you're saying, like, you know, um, and that's why it's so important. Like Pastor Aminga was saying about us educating our children so that it can stop because, you know, something happened to him Mm -hmm. and it doesn't excuse what he's doing. But sometimes people can't process that trauma that has happened to them. Mm -hmm. And so I look at everybody from the (laughs) through the lens of trauma, because even some of the things that have happened to me, mm-hmm. I am still able to now look back at the people that did it and say, mm-hmm. what happened to them? Right. Yeah. You know, right. Uh, right. it doesn't right. make it right, but what happened? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. when we're able to start talking about those things and recognizing what, because the enemy wants us not to talk about it Won't you? Yes, so that we do. don't. Yeah, he, he wants to camouflage those things that has happened so that he can keep that generational trauma going. But right. when we expose it, we what is exposed can be healed because now we can see it. We can see right. it. And right. so, you know, yeah. That's good. Yes. Awesome. Thank you, Alberta. You're welcome. So so one of the things that I I was I mentioned um right before Alberta called was the spiritual ramifications of of trauma, right? Um, trauma opens you up for demonic attack. Um, mm-hmm. So once you've been opened up through trauma and you haven't dealt with it, and I, and I think it, it, it takes a multi, um, uh, multi-personal, uh, let's say, uh, professional approach to dealing with trauma because of course we need our counselors but I think also mm-hmm. we do need our pastors involved and we need family members involved and we need health p- providers involved because so mm-hmm. much of our lives is 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 uh under attack by trauma and so when mm-hmm. we are when we are opened up by trauma we're opened up mentally we're opened up physically and we're opened up spiritually and we deal mm-hmm. with the mental aspect of trauma. But a lot of times we don't deal with the spiritual aspect of trauma. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, so there's an opening that happens when we are, are, are uh, traumatized in a way. And it's especially you know, through rape or through um, violence and things like that, where the person is opened up through 
to specific spirits that continually mm-hmm. torture and traumatize that person over and over again. So they can go through counseling, go through th- different um, uh, mental health institutes, mm-hmm. but because they haven't dealt with the spiritual ramifications, the spirits continue to deal to, to torture them mm-hmm. uh, spiritually. And so have you had any, um, have you been in any places where deliverance has, has been, has taken place with people that have gone through trauma, uh, traumatic events that have, mm-hmm. that you found that these spirit spirits have entered, uh, uh, found a play, a home through traumatic events? Mm-hmm. I am so glad you asked that because I, I was just <laughs> about to start talking about that, you know, some things are physical, but that there is the, some things medication can help you with, <laughs> a counselor can help you with, but some things are spiritual, you know, and yes, definitely. I have worked with women that, you know, they've went through counseling, they've went through therapy and, um, but some, they had to be delivered, completely delivered right. from a spirit. And what we don't realize is that, again, the, the generational trauma, generational curse that can come down the family line. If you think about it, you know, you may be hanging out, um, you know, it may be a family reunion or a lot of people, you know, at one house, at a family member's house. And you might hear somebody say, well, um, all, all the men in the family it's just like that. That's, that's, that's just who we are. You know, we, we, we like to drink and party. All, all the, mm-hmm. all the men in our family do that. And then the little boys that are coming up hear that and they grow up. Well, all the men in our family, they just drink, you know, and it's, it's, and, and that's a spirit that, that's right. a spirit that's, that maybe grandpa said that. And now, now the sons said it. Now the sons are telling the sons and the sons are telling the sons. And then you wonder why. That alcoholic spirit r- runs rampant in the family because they are actually speaking a curse over the next generation and they're right. picking it up and run, running with it. I mean, there's a, there's a quote that goes, uh, what walks in the father runs in the son. Yes. You know, and so are you here? You, you know, you'll hear somebody say that girl is fast. She just fast. Right, All the little right. girls fast. And then they say it again. And then, and then the little yeah. girl hears it and she's like, I'm okay. I'm fat. Well, I'm just fast. And so she takes on, she, she, there's an, you're, you're planting the seed and she's hearing it. And now she's receiving it because an adult has planted that seed. And so she's believing it. So you, and most of the time it's the parents that's saying it. It's all the parents that say, oh, she just fast. All we find that 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 I'm child sorry. was all we find that that child was touched or, or traumatized in some way, and mm-hmm. and then a spirit entered uh, a promiscuous spirit entered, and then now we're dealing with that side uh, uh, of this child that is acting out. Right. Exactly. It's, and and it's a spirit. It's a spirit. Are you you find a lot sometimes that in in a family the girls are you know, becoming pregnant younger, you know, and, and it could be a, 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 a spirit of perversion that's running right. rapid through the family that because somebody's been molesting the girls or boys, you know, right. and, and, and it's a spirit. And so some things that spirit, because I know I had to be prepared for, you know, um, at, at, you know, and this was a few years back because 
I had been molested by so many different men. I had been molested with uh, by over 22 different men from age two to the wow. time that I left my parents' home. Right. And my, my mom and my dad didn't do it to me, but it was people that they were allowing to come into the home to visit them that was doing it. And then, you know, some family members were too. And so at one point in my life, I literally had to get deliverance from, because it was almost like a spirit of, of, I guess a, that a spirit of perversion that was hoovering over me everywhere I went. And even though I wasn't being perverted, there was still that spirit that had attached itself to me. Right. And so, yes, yes, definitely. Um, and you know, it's not just, this or that. Sometimes it's the counseling and the, the deliverance, you know, yeah. <laughs> and, and sometimes you can just get delivered and you don't need all, you know, you don't need as yeah. much counseling as, as right, some right. people need. And so we just have to discern um, what it is that, that that person needs. But most of the time you're going to have to meet them where they are. And that's in the physical before they can get to the right. spiritual and some things God will just do it spiritually. Like, you know, he'll just say, no, we need to, we need to attack this demon right now. Yeah. Right. And right. so, yeah, yes, definitely. So if you're seeing, you know, something that's running in your family line, generational, yeah. uh, and you recognize that, then, then you got to come against that spirit of whatever it is. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And I think, uh, us as the clergy have to be aware of, of the people in our congregations and what they're going through. Um, and, and sometimes we, we look at things as if this is a phase versus if this is something that's reoccurring, this is something that's spiritual and this is something that we need to deal with on a deliverance type of, um, of factor instead of, uh, placating it and just saying, Oh, well, we'll pray for a person. But no, we need to really get down deep and dirty in this and really get to the deliverance of it all. Right. Because because really people are, you know, they're they're coming into the church and they're hurting, you know, and they're dealing with only only God knows, only God knows. And yeah. so we do have to be in a place where we can discern that, you know, and that's that's where prayer and fasting comes in. It's so important that. Uh, especially the leaders within, within the church is not only praying and fasting when the pastor is calling for a corporate prayer and fasting, yeah. but that you're doing it on your own. Um, so that you can be able to discern when someone walks in and, uh, it, you know, maybe carrying a spirit and it's that you may not be able to, you may not understand that it's a generational thing, but to just be able to be, close enough to God to where you can discern that, okay, this is much more than what we think it is. It's the spirit and be able to pray with that person. Nobody should ever be able to, nobody should ever come into a church and leave out the same way. You right. know, a lot of times we think, oh, well, they heard good preaching and, and it was good and, and ooh, they got a word, but yeah. they still got cords attached to them. Right. You know, and so we, we, we have to be able to, you know, to, to be able to discern that and pray with people and, but also understand that deliverance comes with that person being ready to be delivered. I, I've mm. often said, 
that if you're going to pray with somebody, please make sure that they are ready for this deliverance. Because if you deliver somebody that's not ready, then guess what? The Bible says seven more is going to come back even stronger. Right. And so when you're, when you're ready to be delivered, don't, you know, don't just somebody that's out there that's just like, okay, well, I'm just going to let them pray for me. And you're not ready for that because you want to make sure that, okay, you know what? I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired of these spirits, yeah. you know, running rampant in, in my family bloodline and I want to be delivered. And you get that deliverance and then you walk in that and walking in that is getting in the word, continuing to come to church, you know, calling somebody when you're going through something. It's a continue. It's a process. It is. It is. It is a continual process once you're delivered to stay delivered, because right. once you deliver, don't mean that you're always you got to You got to you got to um, maintain your deliverance. And right. so uh, so it's very it's very important uh you know, that you're, that you're ready for deliverance whenever you go up to get deliverance because we, we don't want it to come back and be seven times worse. We want to get, we want to be free for real, for real. That's right. That's right. Uh, and we have to replace, replace whatever left the house with some good things, mm. some good learning, some good right. training. All right. Some scripture, some, uh, biblical teaching, some, some mental health teaching, right? Some ways to take care of ourselves. Right. So uh, that spirit, when he comes back, you know, find the house nice, swept and clean for him to bring in seven more. <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> exactly. And, you know, Pastor, also, you know, I, I feel like the, and this is not just the leaders within the church, the church itself. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we have I, I think that we all. I know there's, uh, we all, we all can intercede for somebody, you know, and, and, you know, I feel like if us as a church start to really intercede and pray, God will send them in where they can be delivered. And sometimes it means us going out to them, you know, because sometimes they won't come into the four walls, walls of the church and we have to go out to them. But you know, in doing that, I would just say to, to those of us that, that are in the church, that we would start to pray, be strategic about praying and be strategic about, um, about intercession because, you know, intercession is not just praying for someone, yeah. but it's praying as someone. You're praying right. as them. You're praying so as them. So when right. you, you, you are praying as them. And so when we are interceding, I think that the church, it's time for us to get into that place where those, even those that we don't know personally, but we know that there are some out there on drugs. There are people that are homeless. You know, there are people that have mental health issues because of maybe some drugs they took or maybe some trauma that happened to them as a child. And it's time for us as the church to get into that intercessory place where we are praying as that person, because right. when we're going through something. We know everything to call out. We know everything yes. that we need to ask God for. Exactly. We know everything. So start getting in that place where we are interceding right. as that person. That's and right. so that way it's not about, well, I don't like this one or I don't like that one or yeah. I don't like what they're throw that aside. We right. got to put all of our feelings aside so that we can pray as that person and reach heaven for them. And then God, then God say, 
my people will call by my name if they would humble this, themselves, yes. seek my face and yes. pray and t- turn from their wicked ways and pray. Then will they hear from heaven and, yes. and he's going to heal our land. So I think that when we get in that posture and that position, that position of prayer, of praying as that person that we're praying for, that that our God will either send them in or send us out to get them. And, and I just think that that's where we need to be as a church. Amen. That was so good. Thank I, you so much. Shauna, it's, it's an awesome man. show. I um, wanted to go back just a little bit when you talked about um, like some people need deliverance. And it's so important that anyone mm-hmm. who, be, who may be listening to this now or maybe listen to it later, that deliverance is not something you do alone. You know, if you don't know what you're doing <laughs> and always know that you should have somebody with you. And I think it's so important that right. um, we put that out there because, again, someone will listen and and cause harm to themselves and to the other person if they don't, um, uh, if they don't have covering. Right. Go definitely go to somebody that knows That's what really they're doing. Good. And never be by yourself, even if you do know. Um, always right. have. That's he sent them out two by two. Right. Amen. Right. Amen. That's really good. Really good. Um, I, I wanted to ask you all, um, like as far as, you know, being pastors of a, you know, of a church and having, you know, I mean, I can't even imagine what all, you know, you all deal with in the, in the spirit realm. You know, all I can do is pray from my end, but, um, you know, to pray for, you know, to cover you all. Um, but, you know, how do you all handle, you know, when you're, you're going through something and, and you still have to, you know, come up and, 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 you know, you still have to go up there and preach a sermon and, and mm-hmm. help to get us that are sitting there in the congregation, uh, a step further than where we were or two or three steps further than where we were. And you're, you're dealing with, you know, trauma or crisis in your own families and your own yeah. lives. Or how are y'all able to? to push through that and, and, you know, and survive and thrive through that in order, in order to help others. Cause y'all are thriving because y'all yeah. are still helping us. So how are y'all dealing with the times when y'all feel like y'all are just surviving? Like, what do you do? I think Mal, that's a, a, a great question. Um, I'll tell you uh, throughout my life and, and my uh, pastoral ship, uh, even minister, as a minister, definitely have gone through a lot of you know trauma and disappointment hurt and physically mentally spiritually gone through a lot of things and what I found um just for myself especially places in my life where I didn't know what the answers were I found that a lot of times the answers came to me while I was ministering um mm-hmm. there was many times where God spoke to me in the middle of a sermon where, or where I walked off the stage saying, wow, God gave me the answers while I was preaching mm-hmm. to, you know, preaching the message. Um, and, and I didn't even know it. I didn't even know that, that the message mm-hmm. was actually for me the whole time or, or he turns wow. the message some kind of way and, and, and I end up giving me exactly what I needed or in worship. You know, mm-hmm. so I find a lot of the answers uh, in my life in worship and uh, in, in the mm-hmm. messages that were meant for the people, but actually it was for me. Um, so mm-hmm. those are part of it. 
um, definitely prayer, um, and just everyday life. I, I asked God a long time ago to use everything to teach me, help me to find the message mm-hmm. in everything. And so I can, I, I go outside some days and, and then the other day I, I was, uh, I found a message in a tree, you know, just the way mm-hmm. the tree was being grown, mm-hmm. the way the tree was grown. Mm-hmm. And so, um, God shows me things like that. And every time it don't, I don't see it all the time. Mm-hmm. And many times we just have to be aware of our surroundings and aware of what God is doing. Mm-hmm. I get to a place mm-hmm. where I get stubborn and I just want to be, I want to mm-hmm. sit in my own, you know, depression and my own mm-hmm. woe is me moments. Right. And mm-hmm. that's when God has to, to uh, really set, set a fire in me to get me to see that he's talking to me. Right. Right. So I'm not perfect. I'm not, I'm not perfect by any means. I mess up and I, mm-hmm. and I uh, don't see or don't hear when God is speaking to me all the time until, you know, he really has to light a fire in me to show me. But um, mm-hmm. for the most point, for the most part, God shows me in worship. He shows me in my messages. He talks to me mm-hmm. through everyday things. So, Mm-hmm. Um, that is so good, Pastor Rob. That's that that's so good. And I definitely want to hear what Pastor Aminga has to say also. But you know, in, in everything that you said, uh when you know you mentioned some of the small things like the tree, you know, he 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 answered you within the tree. You whatever it was that he showed you, yeah. if that answer was there or you know, and and <clears throat> and that is so important, like I said earlier. It's those little things that we think is insignificant. It's yeah. what's helping us to deal with what the big things we, we're sometimes looking for the grand, the grand thing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The grand thing, but it's, it's not the, it's in the still small voice. Yes. It's in the going outside and, and looking at the little insects like I do sometimes. It's in those little things that, right, that, right. that, where the answer comes from that helps us with, to deal with all of the huge things. So thank you for sharing that. What about you, Pastor Minga? Um, for me, um, I've, I've learned um, to help with my, my balance is keeping my boundaries um, mm-hmm. and being transparent. Um, I find that whenever I go past my limitations to appease others Mm -hmm. is when the trauma uh, or the triggers um, Mm -hmm. tend to try to overwhelm me. So I have learned to have uh, very clear boundaries um, and also um, being transparent of where I'm at at that moment with um, having a, we have an amazing lead team and Mm -hmm. uh, um seeking and reaching out to the ones I can talk to and, and they, and prayer, uh, knowing that they are praying for me, but, you know, understanding. And because for me, there are times that um, I tend to want to isolate. It may not seem like it because mm-hmm. most of the time they don't let me, <laughs> but in um, <laughs> uh, worship, uh, a lot of times, like, um, like Pastor Rob said, a lot of times my breakthrough is in the worship. Um, I can walk in with um, 
smiling with many things on my heart. Um, mm-hmm. But my kids, anyone who knows me knows during worship is like the worst time to touch me because I just, mm-hmm. that's where my release come from. That's where my answers come from. It's so my help comes from my strength mm-hmm. uh, to remind me of who I am and whose I am. And um, mm-hmm. so. That's so good. Thank, thanks for sharing. Cause that's so important, you know, praise and worship. It, it, it chains falls, you know, once we start yeah. to, um, praise and worship God, you know, he, the Bible says he inhabits the praises of his people. And, and I imagine God in my mind to, um, be in there when we're in church or, or in our homes or in our cars and wherever we are and we're worshiping God. It's like, I, I, I can imagine his spirit just coming in and just breathing in our worship. And then he moves to the next right. person and he just inhales that worship. And, and I often say that if you're there and you are not giving honor to God and worshiping him, he moves away from you. You're either grieving the spirit or you're vexing it. And yeah. so, you know right. what I'm saying? Right. So he moves, he moves on to the next and, and he just inhales um, you know, the, the praises of his people. And, and so, and, and then his glory falls and, and, and we get to be healed and set free and, nice. and our minds get to be healed. And, and so, and that's so good. So thank you for yeah. sharing that. <laughs> I, um, before we end this, this, uh, broadcast, I, I read this story today and I thought it was really interesting. It was a story about mm-hmm. the snake and, um, the snake was just going about his day and um, accidentally the snake, uh, someone had thrown a, a saw into the the brush mm-hmm. and the saw had became old and rusted, but it was still sharp. And the snake was just going about his day. And as he was going under the saw, he ended up getting cut uh, because the saw was still sharp. And the snake was really upset because he was cut by the saw. He was traumatized by it. And instead of going on and moving on because snakes heal pretty quickly, he Mm -hmm. got angry. And instead of trying to heal, he wrapped himself around the saw. And Mm -hmm. as he wrapped himself around the saw, he cut himself again and began to traumatize himself even more. And as he cut himself, he got more angry. And as he cut himself, he began to tighten up on the saw even more. And as he continually cut himself, he continued to tighten himself. And the thing that he was trying to hurt was the thing that was hurting him. And the more, the more he tried to get even with the saw, the more he tried to hurt what was hurting him, the more he tried to cause trauma to the thing that was causing trauma to him, the more he hurt himself until the end. Well, he died for the for trying to cause trauma to the thing that caused trauma to him. Mm-hmm. And so the moral of the story is to not try to get revenge, to not try to cause trauma uh, to things that cause trauma to you. Or to try to, mm-hmm. to cause trauma because you are caused trauma too, but to let go and let God to go That's heal, so good. to allow God mm-hmm. to heal you the way that he knows how he knows exactly yes. what you need and he knows exactly how to mm-hmm. heal you. So I want to leave you guys with that today. And I think that 
This was an amazing, amazing show. Shauna, what would you say to us before we let go? Um, give us your last words and then tell us what can we get? Like, where can we, uh, uh, find more about you? Where's your website? Uh, where can we find more about Ava? Uh, tell us, tell us how to get in touch with you. Give us some info. Okay, great. Um, so, well, I'll give y'all some info and then I'll, then I'll end with one last thing. Um, so, uh, you can go to, uh, avoiceawakening.com. That's my website. And so in that website, there's also a link for straight out of trauma. And so, or you can, um, reach me on Facebook under, uh, Shauna Chavis Dotson. And I'm also on Facebook under a voice awakening. And so, um, so you can reach me on, you know, any of my email is, um, a voice awakening at yahoo.com. And so I want to thank y'all so much for, uh, allowing me to share today. And I want to leave everybody with this, that if the brain can be hurt, it can be healed. And so no matter what type of issues you're dealing with, just as the body can be injured and can be healed, so can the mind and the heart. So I love you all. And thank you. Amen. I totally, totally, totally believe that. So thank you again, my sister. I'll see you tomorrow night. Yes, sir. (laughs) (laughs) Bye-bye. Hey, I love you guys. Thank y'all for tuning in to the Little BR podcast. I'm going to drop both shows. So don't worry about it. I know that you was looking for the first show, but I could not drop the first show without dropping the second show didn't want to open you guys up and then not have the second show to close it all down so i wanted to to drop both of them together um i love you guys thank you guys so much for your love and support thank you nola thank you nola i'm still looking for anyone that wants to uh sponsor the show we're still looking for sponsors so if you have a business small business a a um uh any type of program or anything that you're looking for to, to sponsor something that's good this is good ground to sponsor you can do a commercial and we'll have it uh, uh air every episode so hey if you know anyone please send them my way all right love you guys have a blessed day